I'm Hilary Naughton. Welcome to the Uprint Podcast. It's time to remember your power and become the architect of your reality. Join me as we explore the art of intentional co-creation. We delve into the science and the magic. Hear expansive stories from entrepreneurs and creatives around the world who channeled their ideas and inspiration into real life by following their passions and staying true to their inner guidance. My intention is to empower you to act on your desires and live a life in vibrant color. Thanks for tuning in. Now we vibe. Good day. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. If you're an avid listener, thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. I feel like I have to reintroduce myself. This is Hillary. It has been... I think 12 episodes of the twin transmissions where I'm, you know, doing an episode with my twin sister, Amber Merlot, and we sound the exact same. So we're always saying, this is Amber, this is Hillary. And so it's kind of nice to have my show back. I have to be honest. And after 12 twin transmissions, we're back with some interviews and I've got a few interviews to end the season before we end the season. So I promised you guys 52 episodes and we're getting damn close. So I'm at the, this episode with Dan will be episode 46. And then we recorded a twin transmission today. That's 47. And then I interviewed the Zulu and Zephyr sisters that's coming out. Can't wait to share that with you. That's 48, 49. Uh, Tomorrow I'm interviewing the founder of Flightboard. Flightboard is an electric hydrofoil surfboard and such a cool product, such a great brand. And they're based here in Byron, of course. And so that's 49. And so I'm like, all right, are we just going to do 50? Let's see how I feel. But I feel like I gave it one hell of a, uh, one hell of a try for season one, 50 episodes, pretty consecutive, consecutively (laughs) say that 10 times fast. So I'm so stoked that we're here at this part of the journey of, of, okay, like, all right, I put out this body of work. Now let's see what's next. So if there's anyone that you would like to hear for season two, or you have some ideas, feel free to send them in. We talk in the trend transmission that's coming out about the update with the Theo investigation. <laughs> it's a wild ride y'all. And like, I am a bit tired. So I am, uh, I'm, taking my own advice, which you'll hear in the twin transmission that comes out after this episode about not getting too attached to an outcome and just setting an intention every day of being surprised and delighted and having gratitude for just the beauty of this experience. So that is the vibration and the vibe that I am staying in right now. And who knows, there could be more radio stuff too. I've been really really enjoying that since I talked to you guys last with a with an actual interview and not just my sister and I chatting. Um, I did another radio show and that was fun. 90s R&B and hip hop and some quantum physics thrown in for good measure and just high vibes all away, all the way around. So let's jump into this episode. Daniel Regan or Dan Regan. He is a personal growth consultant here in Byron. He's an ambassador of the Gene Keys Wisdom, which we talk about towards the end of the episode. He really came on originally to talk about 22 days in total darkness, literally, and maybe figuratively, but like, I guess it would be figuratively because you don't know what's coming, maybe, but literally he was in total darkness. And 
it's towards the end of the episode, we start talking about Gene Keys, which has always been his main, main wheelhouse. And if you don't know what the Gene Keys is, it's a, a body of wisdom to help you seek greater depths and awareness in your life. And it's connected to human design as well. And it's such a fascinating technology that was brought into the collective through Richard Rudd. And by the end of the episode, we're like, you know what? We need to actually do a full episode on this. So Dan is off in New Zealand at the moment. He's a speaker, a mentor, and a guide, and he brings his lens of the human condition and the shadow archetype, which we talk a lot about to help humanity's evolution at this time. So that's a long way of saying he's doing that for some people in New Zealand at the moment. So when he comes back and when we figure out what's happening with season two, then he'll be on the show to share more of the wisdom of the Gene Keys. So without further ado, if you've forgotten, let me remind you, you know the drill, sit back relax, enjoy the show, and I will catch you on the other side. Why are we seeing Dan everywhere? This is crazy. We're seeing him everywhere. And it turned out you had a message to give Amber, which we'll jump into. But from your perspective, when you were seeing us everywhere, were you like, they're stalking me? <laughs> or like, what were you thinking? Well, because at one stage you said, hey, there, you, hey, stalkers, we were in the sauna. And you walked by and you were like, again? <laughs> Well, generally, there's a, if there's that synchronicity going on and you're catching it or you're seeing the same people over and over again, generally there's some information that is going to be shared, which yes. ends up being the case. Well, and you head. were the one that initiated, okay, we actually need to sit down and I need to get to know you guys. This was after the fifth or sixth interaction in about three days, probably. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, Hill, did you want to talk about what you thought from your perspective? Oh yeah. Well, it was the same. I was just like, what do we need to talk about? And then you sat down you started talking to Amber about the Akashic Records. Mm-hmm. And we were saying, oh, she doesn't do that anymore. Because, and she's like, everybody can do it. And then what'd you say? Do you I remember? Said, nah, not everyone can do it. You're dismissing your gifts. Yes. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and you, you... I asked permission for your feedback though first. Oh, you can did? I, can I give you some feedback? Oh, I can't even remember. I like blacked out. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so are you open to feedback? Because I could feel that, that uh, yeah, that you weren't fully owning it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was true. And, and that the, whole conversation started from that. It did. And then my grandma, for any listener of the show, well, for anyone that's listening that hasn't heard other episodes, I channel guides and one of my guides is my grandma and my grandma as soon as you delivered that message to me and said like you're dismissing your gifts like basically what are you doing because I was like no I'm running my Airbnbs like this is great I'm living the life I'm in the sauna three hours a day and then you just went like straight it was like you saw like straight into me and you just said you know what are you doing basically and uh and then I was like oh and then I heard you and my grandma popped up sort of right beside me because prior to seeing you, uh, I it was the first um, time that uh, I had, uh, like a friend had asked me for a reading and her loved one had uh, started to talk to me. And I was sharing that with you before you gave me like the, you know, the gut punch. You were, <laughs> you, I had said, oh, this thing, that, this thing that's never happened to me happened. And my friend asked for help and her grandma ended up talking to me. But again, like everybody can do this. It's not a big deal. And then uh, my grandma popped up after you said no. 
Like, what are you doing? You should be doing this. Not everyone can do this. And my grandma's like, finally, like I've been orchestrating. She's like, why do you think you've been seeing him everywhere? And then I told you that. And I think I told you that in the moment, yeah, didn't yeah, we? Yeah. And we were all like, she whoa. She popped straight up and we started double teaming you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then you linked me with my mentor, Yvette, mm, yeah. who ended up being like, I mean, I, saying life-changing wouldn't even do it justice. It was- She's amazing. Oh, she's the next level. Next yeah. level. Mm-hmm. And so I did, I just got out of a three month container with her mm-hmm. and it was just like, dude, it was so epic. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Really. Pleasure. Thank you. It's yeah. Pleasure. It's really good. It yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Well, I, there's, um, there's a lot that we can jump into. And we talked a bit about uh, before, about before we started recording about where we wanted this to go. And you're a man of many talents and many interests. And so, I think that we'll first dive into just a bit about your background. Mm -hmm. It's good for the listeners to get an understanding from my perspective on how you grew up, where you grew up, like what was modeled to you on what you thought was possible. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go from there. Mm, Cool. So I grew up in Canberra, which is uh, in, it's the nation's capital in Australia for those overseas and listening. And uh, I grew up in a pretty stock standard family environment with a great family. And I was always a bit of an awkward kid, a bit of a loner in, in my early, like, you know, 8, 10, 12. And then in, in 13, 14 years old arrived and I started rebelling. I started to um, play up a little bit because that was my way of getting acceptance and attention and, and coping with, with reality. And then I got into, I, I found alcohol and drugs in the the later part of my teens and that kind of rolled into my 20s and then by late 20s I was I was really questioning what I was doing because I I, I was still playing out some patterns and behaviors that weren't serving me or those people around me and I was kind of looking for a way out but I didn't know a way out and this is what I'm always fascinated with people it's like when did you when did you start questioning the game and I started questioning the game 2004, I had an anxiety attack in my in my boss's office at work, and I didn't know what anxiety was at the time because I just kept it at bay because I just numbed it out with substances and escapism and all these behaviours. I was running road crews at the time, like I was an operations manager for for um, for traffic management and line marking on roads and stuff like that. Okay. And I was in this I was in this meeting and. I was there with the boss and the other boss, so the two bosses, and all of a sudden it felt like this giant fist was wrapped around my body and I was in the middle of speaking and I actually looked behind me because I, I, it freaked me out because I'd never had anything happen to me that was yeah, outside of my realm of control actually. But this surge came up and I couldn't breathe and I, I thought I was going to black out and I was in the middle of speaking in a, in a three-man meeting. So, the, so, the, so what that did to me was I, I didn't really know what happened and I didn't really talk to anyone about it because I did bring it up with a couple of people. I was like, do you ever get this thing where you, where you <laughs> do you ever get this thing where you, you can't breathe and you, you choke and you nearly black out? And I was like, yeah, no, it's like, yeah, no, me neither. So, <laughs> so, just, so I, I dismissed that and, uh, but it, it did something to my, to my consciousness. Like it, it did something, it woke me up to something that was below the surface that I had been very efficiently uh, suppressing and numbing this this anxiety, the feeling of shame, the you know these parts of me that I was denying, which are all parts of the shadow. 
But not that I knew that because at the time I was my ego and my ego was me. So I didn't have any any awareness of anything outside of myself that I am Dan and I am this and that was my reality. And so I, I, I just went, I was just playing out the same programs and patterns for a few more years and then I went to, I went to a naturopath in 2007. I was 28 and then so a few years later, I was still, I, I, was getting, I was getting more loose and more like pushing the boundaries of, you know, of, of what's possible. But I was also on a pretty self-destructive and like a self-annihilation mm-hmm. um, uh, thread that was pretty damaging. And I wasn't well in the head. Or at, you know, I, was, I was really living out a lot of delusion, a lot of mm-hmm. paranoia. Mm-hmm. Psychosis was a, it's, it's like a really mental, um, not, not, not well in the head, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. I went to this naturopath who was actually a naturopath that I saw when I was really young and I was expecting him to say how sick I was because I felt like I was, I was had, having headaches. I had this, this anxiety that I didn't really have a handle on or know how to do anything with. My eyes had big red bags under them. It was like it was because I, I, was, I was big on the, on the benders back then too. But I was mm-hmm. expecting him to actually say how sick I was and all these things that are wrong with me. And I remember walking in there and he, he checked me out. He did a couple of tests and then he looked in my eyes and then he looked at my fingernails and he actually said you you're pretty much indestructible and that was the complete opposite of what I had imagined him he was going to tell me okay but then from that that shifted another thing in my awareness as well there was these there was these points of reference but then he actually invited me into an inner inquiry he said you know what I want you to do I want you to go home and write about your life who you think you are and um, your actions and behaviours and stuff like that. And it's the first invitation that I had that clicked of, of there being an awareness outside of the awareness that I currently had. So, and, and that happened and I started writing and journaling and it started shifting things um, significantly in my consciousness and my awareness. I was living in this self-perpetuating loop of of uh, re-imprinting certain patterns like more anxiety and creating more shame and more, more of these things, more, more of these unwanted energies for myself, but I was doing it in, a, in an unconscious way. So it was looping around and re-imprinting these energies, but also the escape mechanisms and the numbing mechanisms that I actually used to cope with what was actually going on with me because I couldn't transmute my own shame or yes. my own pain within. Yes. So I had all these externalising um, features of coping mechanisms, but they were very dysfunctional and weren't serving many people. So he, the naturopath almost got you out of that habit, that loop, that habit loop to say, hey, try this instead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and writing is the way that then you transmuted those emotions, right? Is it like, is that how you look at it or? Well, it's like I started to, I, it, it's, it, it did something to my awareness, it did something to my awareness that I, I started questioning the game from then. Like then, in the nature of this reality? The nature of this reality, but the nature of what I was actually doing. Mm. But I didn't know anything, any way of being that was outside of what I was actually doing. But then I was having, I was having uh, situations where I'd be on a big bender and we'd be on day two or three of, of these, of these, <laughs> of these days. And, wow. Uh, and, you know, I'd, I'd be there and I'd, I remember specifically talking to a couple of mates like, 
is this 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 can't be it. Yeah. Like this can't be it. There's more to life than what I'm than than this. Mm-hmm. And not long after that, I moved to I, ne- I moved to Perth. So I moved from the east coast of Australia to the west coast um, because I didn't know anyone on the west coast. But I had to get away from what I was doing in the threads and, and what I was in because I was in a very some very self destructive loops mm-hmm. that needed to close because I was I had periods in my especially in my late teens but also in my late twenties when when this was getting out of control that. I was very ready to take my own life, um, very and and very tangibly and right on the edge. But divine intervention, I would call it now, came in and, and stopped me from doing so. As as well as uh, my family and my daughter was was the the thing that kept me around. Otherwise, I would have taken that route because the suffering that I was in. Uh, and going through and not knowing a way out or being able to actually articulate or talk about anything to anyone or feeling like I couldn't um, was, yeah, it was so intense that I knew I had to get out somehow. So I moved from one side of Australia to the other and and went about going, yeah, sorting myself out. And then from that moment on, as soon as I landed there, I got off the drink for three months. I didn't drink. I, I just started, I, I got a little brain training game, like a little Nintendo yeah, brain yes, training yes. game. But I just I just wanted to hone in and get past the loops and cycles that I'd <clears throat> that I'd been playing out and the synchronicities and magic just started happening from there. Like even a week after I because I got a job over there, it was a really good paying job. <clears throat> and I kept on hearing this ad on the radio. There was this guy and he was saying, Do you ever wonder why your life is as, as it is? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> Do you ever wonder why you play out the same uh, behaviors and you can't do anything about it. I was like, yeah, but I was like a big yes to all of these <laughs> yes, things. Like, yes, and this ad yes. kept on coming on every, and it was on a specific radio station that I just found randomly. And I thought, randomly, air quotes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> wow, I got twin transmissions. Yeah, um, this happens at least once yeah. an episode. <laughs> yes. Oh, um, sorry. Anyway, I went along to this thing, and it was a personal development seminar. This is back in two thousand eight. And I was so uncomfortable because I'd never been to anything like this at all. And there was this dude called Michael Michael Rowland who'd studied in India, and he he was he's he's gone he's passed now. But um, but the first thing he did was there was about two hundred people there, and I was sitting there, felt like a fish out of water. And he and he wrote on this uh, one of those not the whiteboards but the paper things that mm-hmm. flip over, and he wrote. He had this. I've still got a picture of what I wrote down from the notes that I wrote down, and it was, uh, it was like that mountain. And he's got this is your conscious mind, this is the subconscious, and this is the unconscious, and this is why you can't change. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that, that that's the thing, that's what I'm playing out and I'm living. And from that moment on, I was like, right, I'm going to get to the bottom of that. I'm going to get to the bottom of this because I need to change the program. No matter what I did and what, I, no matter how I tried to be better and tried to be more authentic and tried to be less full of shit than I was, I couldn't change the program. So then the last 15 years of my life has been dedicated to going to the depths of deconstructing the construct and the program and, and going to the, to the bottom of understanding the human wound, yeah. uh, which we all carry, actually, and the shadow mechanisms that are, are built around that wound mechanism and how the shadow mechanisms are, are coping mechanisms for how we handle life when we're young. 
but they're the they're the they're the structures that then go underground and dominate our adult experience unless we're aware of them or unless we go about uh, changing them or, or changing the program. So that's that that was the catalyst of where I started diving into the shadows, and then life just took me from one experience to the other into the deepest places and the dark and the shadow and the 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 actual bringing me into touch with the technologies that would actually support my journey in working myself out, which is now a lot of what I do in facilitation of people one-on-one and within group environments. Wow, I have so many questions. There's a bit of an opener. <laughs> yeah, I know, I love it. Well, the, um, the, I know that we, were, we talked a bit before we started recording about the different technologies that you have implemented and um, there's so many and I don't want to jump ahead and it doesn't have to be in a linear way, but if you could talk to maybe one of the first technologies you found and then, or if you want to talk about the most impactful technology or however you want to go with it, like, mm. well, what are you feeling? Cause you've probably done so much. Yeah. Well, the, uh, yeah, well, uh, what do you want to talk about? What do, what do you want to talk about? Well, you know what? It's all you know what I want to talk about. This is Amber. <laughs> um, well, no, because I, I remember that conversation that we had with you at Habitat, and, or, you know, when you gave me the gut punch, the, the heart punch, right? Whatever. Because, like, gut, gut punch <laughs> sounds domestic. Yeah, 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 exactly. When you gave me the heart punch and really were like, what are you doing? Uh, we started talking about the dark. Mm. And at that point, I had seen some things. I mean, in, I think we can all agree when things just kind of start coming into your reality and there's a theme here or it's the same subject, you kind of perk up and say like, what's this about? Like you had said. Mm. And I had seen um, a couple of Instagram reels of a guy that had gone into the dark for like a week or maybe 10 days. And then he came out and was talking about his experiences. And then I think I had, because when we first uh, met you and we, uh, Stalking. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then we asked a friend of like then we found out we saw that because no, then I was like, oh, that guy yeah. I met at the gym, Dan. Then I saw one of my two of my friends I knew in California followed you. Claudia and then I, Natalie. Claudia Natalie. And then I was like, why do they follow him? Like this is so random. And then I reached out to my friend Natalie and then I was like, oh, how do you know Dan? And then she told me. Anyway, I found your Instagram like I was stalking your Instagram. And then I <laughs> Truth saw comes out. I saw <laughs> well, because I was like, I was like, I see this guy everywhere. Like, mm. who is this guy? Like, this is so weird. And I'd met your partner at the time. And so I was just and we we had had like conversations in the sauna, you know, mm. and I remember the first conversation we had. (laughs) You do? do? I remember that you pushed me. To, oh, you, oh, you, you, you pushed no, me. No, not physically. I know. No, yeah, it's like I'm not an abusive man. No, yeah. no you pushed me to to make it really hot and unbearable, almost. Right? Is that what do you remember? Uh, uh, you what were, do you remember? I can't remember. You were talking a lot. <laughs> oh, I was talking you were talk- a lot because there was only me and you in the sauna, and yes. it was like, and I, I normally. If there's not a lot of, I really like to go in the sauna or ice bath situation and really hone in my inner world. And so I'm like, that's this, not like I her. This, I had this <laughs> human that was going, da, 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 what do you think about this? Yes, and this and what this. do you think? Anyway, you came back in from an ice bath and you started up again. And I said, oh, can I offer something? It's like, you know, when you, when you, no, because you started no, telling I me No, I started about your to heads, almost pass out. You just started to pass out. And I said, yes. oh, that, and that was an invitation for me to say, you know what you can do with that? Just Shut be the fuck really. Up. Yeah, <laughs> 
I think this, no, was, this I, was my I, first or second time in the sauna and doing ice baths. So go on. Yeah. Yes. And then I, 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 because you told me that, I was yes. like, oh, that's an invitation to be really present with what's actually happening in your body, nice. which will shut you up. Yeah. <laughs> but it well, actually worked. And then you went through a, like this transcendental experience because you weren't. It's talking. like the when we talk, we're discharging energy and we're discharging discomfort sometimes and and like unease, everything like that. But as soon as we shut up, <laughs> all we can that. all of that starts to transmute, and we actually start to find out what's going on inside. And you had this like transcendental uh, experience from that. Experience I did. Well. I remember because ass. I want to. And I got say- my peace. <laughs> Well, exactly. did you? Here we are, like yeah. a year later. I got my and- peace for a bit. <laughs> well, it was it, like I mean, I am inquisitive at at the best. At like you know, at a minimum, I'm an inquisitive person. But I and I find this phenomenon being like doing the ice bath and sauna, then ice bath sauna, ice bath sauna. That like opening up that vasodilation and then the constriction and the mm-hmm. dilation. I my energy was just going wild like and then you couldn't control your I could self-talking. not control myself talking and <laughs> I felt like I was gonna pass out and but but in a great way mm. it was almost like yeah, yeah. oh this could be cool you know <laughs> like at least Dan is here if I do like surrender to this but um I could not shut the fuck up and so for anyone that knows me like it's all everyone at the gym that you harass in the sauna I know I've been to the sauna with what? you and I'm like don't people like quiet and you're like no no people like to talk and I'm like this mm. is what we do here yeah I'm like I don't know that's I, I reined it in a lot more, but there's Good. something about being like half naked. You know, everybody's very vulnerable, mm-hmm. and and Australians I found aren't like they're just a bit more. Um, what's the word? Closed. Reserved. Cl- yeah, reserved, yeah. but not in a bad way. Yeah, no, no, no. But but I found that still people waters in the sauna, run deep. Yeah, for sure. And I found that people in the sauna, um, Australians uh, that I met, would open up in the sauna because they have nowhere to go because they're trapped. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but anyways, wait. So where did we get off on that thread though? Because there was a oh, point oh, the dark, there. The, the dark, the dark. Yes, and so um, when we saw you at Habitat, you were talking about you were about to go. Oh, so I found you on Instagram, and then I read you had um, an experience about going into the dark. And I read just a little bit of it, and I just thought, oh, that was interesting. And then of course, then my Instagram feed started giving me. Um, reels on darkness. And so I saw someone else's story and then I watched the whole thing. It was like a 10 minute video. And I thought, oh, this is so cool. Maybe this is coming to my reality because I should do it. And then I just sort of, that thought just sort of left my brain. And then we saw you and did that deep dive in Habitat and you started talking to us about the darkness. And so can you share with the listener the dark? Mm. Yeah, and I just while we've got that thread, it's it's you know when you're saying Australians are a bit more reserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an interesting thing because we have a different collective inner critic. The inner critic is is you know it, it really hampers us uh, personally, but then there's also a collective inner critic. And the fascinating thing about the collective inner critic, the one in the US, is it will criticize you if you're not good enough or superior enough to others, where we have a an opposite mechanism here. We have a collective inner critic that will criticise us if we're getting too big. Yes. It's like that tall poppy tall syndrome. Tall poppy syndrome, It's yes. like, okay, if you it's get real. too big, you're going to get your head chopped off. So we, we, we live in the, the polarities of the collective inner critic are just fascinating when you, when you boil them down. But I really, when you said that about the uh, what Australians are more reserved, 
there's that there's that aspect to it that runs really deep in our collective psyche, which I find fascinating. It's so fascinating because we've talked about this a lot about um, since moving, like my story about Australians when I lived in Melbourne was, oh, the girls are nice, but, you know, like there's no real depth there. And that was my story, which now mm. that we've moved here to Byron, I've changed a lot because, I mean, like as in everything, like you have to change if you want. Your, it's always about yourself. It's never about anyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now I'm like, we have, we Hill, you and I have talked about this. Australian women are so deep and still waters do run deep. And I have the most, some of the most beautiful friendships with Australian women that I just thought never were, that were never possible. With the tall poppy syndrome, it was something that we had never experienced before being living in America for most of our lives. And then coming here, I think that to Amber's story, I think that is what the reservation was with a lot of the women that we met. They weren't opening up in that way because culturally it's not like, look at me and here's my deepest thoughts and here's yes. this. It's like, no, 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 I'm just going to like stay at this level because I don't want to get cut down. Mm. Where here, I think a lot in Byron, a lot of the women have done, we've changed, but also the women that are drawn here, I think, are not as impacted by that tall poppy syndrome. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've stepped out of that a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it's for our American listeners that don't know what it means. So tall poppy syndrome in Australia is a, I guess, is a concept that, well, maybe I'll let Dan describe it. No, I can describe it. Okay. Not shining your light bright mm -hmm. and not wanting to be seen because, and not uh, being for the fear of getting judged by others. Exactly. Right? Where in America, it's the total total opposite. Yeah. You know, like it's like, hey, um, everybody, uh, well, every, everybody, it's it's culturally acceptable to be like, you got this, go for it. Like yeah, we're all supporting yeah, yeah. you. And, mm -hmm. oh, you have this new venture. Like, you know, like we're, we're just so happy for you. And, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, and whether or not there's jealousy below that, it doesn't really matter. But on the outside, people are like, anything's possible. You got this. Celebrating. And so, yeah, celebrating, yeah, yeah. celebrating people's wins. And that's what was an adjustment because I had a, a long relationship with, uh, with a woman from the States who – it is just great, but she's really anchored in her own. She's really anchored in her light. It really anchored in, in one of the most, one of the most wise and embodied women I know. And that was an adjustment being in relationship to her with my conditioning and seeing her being really unapologetic about who she was and what she was talking about and and even the things that she was bringing through. But it was an adjustment for me. It brought up a lot of self-worth of my own stuff and my own conditioning around being seen and, uh, yeah, and that, that collective inner critic but also my personal inner critic obviously. But it was an adjustment. And then, you know, people that I observe from the States along my travels have similar qualities of the more expressive side of things, yeah. Anyway, that was a little detour. Well, yeah. well, yes. well, well I, I'm curious um, in terms of that polarity that you see, but the cultural difference between Australians and Americans, for example, because your listeners, Hillary, are like Australians and Americans, 99%. Do you feel like, like, would you, knowing what you know now about the tools that you have for this reality, would you, do you think it, all of those things are things to transmute? Or I know we were talking about shadow work before, like, are those things like, they're just two sides of, of the same coin almost, yeah, yeah. you know? And, and we have to transmute them and transcend them in our own way. But your, your route to the root of that would be different to mine in a sense. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Mm. 
Whereas like for the, the, the stereotypical American that is overconfident and oversharing, it's about more being okay with being quiet yeah. and reflective. Like, yeah, I guess if you were speaking to someone in about, like, I guess how would you, cause I know that you do like coach people and, and help people navigate this reality. So do you think that is something that, that people can, like for an American who is overconfident, like me being in the sauna, you had that perfect tool to help get me go back inwards being versus being like, ah, Dan, mm-hmm. be my best friend, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so all- look, it worked. He's here. Yeah. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, because almost like working with that stuff versus saying like, I need to change and be different, right? But like yeah. embracing it. 100%. Almost. Yeah, okay. and it's a good point actually because it is bringing, uh, for myself and my own journey, it is bringing my, more of myself out mm-hmm. uh, in that essence. So I, I don't know what it's like to live. Sometimes I wish I did have the other side, the inner critic that was like kind of backing me to yes. actually like you're not doing good enough and stuff like that. But yes. it's a really interesting polarity yet with these with shadow work in general it's about the awareness so there's nothing to fix but the awareness of the inner critic the awareness of what our inner voices are doing is mm-hmm. is the thing that when once we bring awareness to these patterns which are unconscious that's when we start to shine light on them and they start to have less hold of what they're actually doing to us in our day-to-day reality but okay. until we address them or become aware of them or, or get told about them these things are just running the story of our lives. These things are running the script of our lives. Everything that we're in, the relationships, everything like that, are be- we're, we're being run by the unconscious. Mm-hmm. They're pulling the strings from, from deep down outside of our conscious awareness, way outside, which is where my fascination for the dark, for the unconscious, for the shadow has actually been because in my experience that's the only path to freedom. If you're in the game of expanding your own consciousness and personal growth, it's about going to the root of your own suffering. Mm-hmm. And from that space, for, from transmuting things from that space, from that space of ownership and accountability, that's where we come into more embodiment and that's where we get to serve at a greater level because we've actually met our own demons and, and, uh, you know, and, and transmuted our own shadow and our own suffering or at least understood it because it seems like it's a, it's a job that's never done. Yeah. But there's a... There's a yeah, you know, there's a there's a great reverence in that of um, of showing up for it, showing up for the work, showing up for the inner work, and showing up for ourselves so that we can be the example that we're that we want to, but we want to walk in a sense, walking our talk in the deepest sense. All right, so we were talking about the dark. Mm. And we got sidetracked with some light, with, so <laughs> with some tangents. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so tell us about your your first dark immersion experience was in Guatemala, right? Was in Guatemala, nearly exactly six years ago. So it was 2017, and I I got the call to go to Costa Rica, and I didn't really know why. I was I was winging it at the time, and I was doing a lot of overseas travel, but my adventures seemed to put me in the right spot at the right time. So I trusted that and I had some friends that were running a breathwork immersion in Costa Rica so I thought oh that'll be a perfect I'll just hook up with them do the breath do another breathwork training and then a guy in there said that he was going to do this darkroom retreat uh and in Guatemala after that and my first I didn't understand why he was going in but I couldn't really wrap my head around what that would be like and 
but that I kept on seeing this guy and, and it was like, yeah, there's something in this for me. So I followed my nose. Anyway, five weeks later, I was in Guatemala booked in to do 12 days in the dark. They had a 12-day gap, luckily, because they had like a six-month waiting list and the doors just opened. And so I went into this dark room experience and dark room for anyone who hasn't heard of it is basically it's just sensory deprivation. You go in and you've got no distractions, no phone, no internet, no no one to talk to because this one's done in solo. They also do them in groups. But you've just got none of the distractions that we have in our day-to-day reality, no social media, nothing like that. So... Can you paint a picture of the room? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and what you're wearing and what you're eating. I'm wearing. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, no, because I'm like, yeah. all right, are you like wearing all linen? You know, yeah, are you wearing yeah, like yeah, a sarong? Yeah. Like what? Because I would think that you would be hyper aware of what's on your body when you are sensory deprived. It's like every, you're so, you know, you would just be yeah. hyper aware. So yeah, yeah, paint yeah. the full picture. Bring us into so the moment. Bring us into the moment. Okay. So we've got a, a, a purpose built brick or, or stone construct that's built into the side of a mountain so it's like a it was really like an earth womb it was really nice wow um and they had one on this property they might have two now but um and so going into this hut it's you go down some stairs and then you have to climb up a ladder and into a trap door like a a trap oh my god were you like these people are going to kidnap me It was like there was a surreal wow. feeling about stepping in. It's like, wow, I'm really doing this. I went up there and, and uh, in the trap door and basically you've got a single bed, you've got a shower, a compost toilet and a, a, like, a, like a bench to like meditate on kind of thing. But it's very simple and it's a stone floor. They've got a yoga mat there. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do yoga and stretching and breath work and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. But, by, but your body starts to go into a hibernate, hibernative kind of state. Uh, like your muscles start switching off and uh, it, because you're not getting the light and you're not doing the activity that you do. So my body and, – and I'll, I'll preface this whole thing by saying everyone's experience is completely different at okay. times by going into the dark room. It's it, – you know, people can have the, an experience like I've had or they can have an easeful experience. Some get no visions. It's, it's a really good thing to, to say like this isn't a guarantee of happening to you. Okay. What my body started doing was uh, like by day seven, eight, I kind of I felt my glute and it was just this sloppy. I just felt like so sloppy and because my body had actually been going into this deep rest state while I was being activated internally, which we'll get to. So uh, so I got the rundown. It's like, okay, this is this is it. This is the room. And then I'm left with a candle in the middle of the room and – once I blow that candle out, the, the dude, Severin, he, he went and closed the trap door and I was just sitting in this, this dome, this earth womb oh. with the candle and I had a list of intentions written out and once I blew that candle out, it was, it was dark. But it was good because the timing was I got there late in the afternoon so I, I just unpacked all my clothes and, and you can wear your own clothes, just getting back to that. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're not wearing a special <laughs> ceremonial robe. No, no okay. none of that. And can you hear anything? I could hear the birds chirping in the day, which gave me, you know, that, that you've got a pretty like good indication about that reference point. But once I blew the candle out, I basically just went straight to bed and and slept because I'd, I'd it had been a pretty I had a lot of process going on 
in the lead up to this and a lot of inner content coming to the surface to be expunged in that way. And, um, yeah, I just went to bed. But then the next day I woke up and I was like, oh, it's dark and there's nothing. And it was actually a really beautiful, like I, I was actually really happy and grateful to be sitting in the dark because I didn't have to worry about anything mm. on the outside. It was me, all the processes I'd been writing, all of the stuff was there. And it was actually, I felt held and at home within that space. Um, day one. Day one. Day, so, <laughs> I've read the blog, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, so, I was held. <laughs> <laughs> but then, the, so the day, day one to three, uh, it, basically you're just sitting in a dark room. You've got your normal thought processes. I was doing a bit of, bit of stretching and a bit of breath work and, and I had a little drum in there with me, a little Guatemalan drum. So I was just, you know, keeping myself entertained. But then the thought processes are normal in my experience. And and so it's like you're thinking about different things. But then day four, five came along and I could I really got the sense that I was moving into another dimension in a way. Like the the darkness, the blackness of the darkness became it started to move within me and it started to move within the site. Like I, I was getting like more of a it's, it's really hard to explain some of these visions, but it, the best I can do now is it's like this, it was like this rolling ball of consciousness enveloping itself and, like, and there was like shades of red and black, and, 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 but they were all dark, but it was like things were mutating and moving in a really cool way. Cool. Yet and you that, didn't know if your eyes were open or closed? It no, didn't matter. It didn't okay. matter. Okay. So, so it's wow. a, it, and that's a trip within itself because yes. it's like, and that's a trip because whether your eyes are open or closed, it's, you, you can't escape what you're actually seeing. To some extent, a lot of the visions that were about to happen, but so that was day four and five. But a lot of content started coming up from the unconscious because what our what our psyches do and what we're, we're so well built as human beings to move every, away from anything uncomfortable. Yet that's that's a lot of our shadow content is is you know if we move through a painful experience, even in our adult life, this happens in childhood. But if what happens in our adult life, if we uh, go through an experience and it's too painful, our consciousness at some level will compartmentalise that happening and, and, and just put it a little bit out of our normal conscious awareness so we can actually get on with life. Mm-hmm. Yet sitting in the dark, that's where all of these aspects start coming back in because our shadows are like they're disowned parts of ourselves mm-hmm. that are looking for greater ownership and accountability to come in. So that's what started coming in. A lot of things that I, things I, I was required to become aware of with the way I was relating, especially in my most intimate relationship and where I was projecting, you know, all of these things. And really good to have that time to, to take stock, like do a stock take of like where I'm at, how I'm showing up in the world and with my, my relationships, all that sort of stuff. But And can I ask, so did you almost feel like there were these unearthed parts of you that were starting to come up and you were like, oh, fuck, here we go? Like almost yeah. like you couldn't stop it? Yeah, definitely. And and it's 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 interesting because the spirit of the dark is is a is a profound teacher because but what was happening to me is in this rolling ball of consciousness as as i described it before it's like things would emerge 
to be uh, to be dealt with in a way. Mm. But in that dealing with it, if I was dismissing it or told myself a bullshit story to 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 yeah. to, you know, to be like move away yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, can we have a comfortable one, please? <laughs> uh, what what would happen is I w- I would send it or or just or even skimming over it or, or avoiding it in any way. It would just come back around like three, three, three goes later. It's like, like okay, three slides later. Three slides later. Yeah, it's like, okay. okay, deal with that. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, breathe through that and that's okay. And, and then, oh, God, it's this one again. And it's like, <laughs> so, and it's like, and, and, and it just gets more and more. It was getting anyway, more and more in my face. You cannot escape it. <gasps> the Taoists call the five senses the five thieves. So Ooh. and that and that's what takes us away from our inner world, and so being in a in a in a in a deprivated state in that sense, it's all you've got is you and your inner world and everything that arises, and there's no escape. And sitting in truth and that amount of truth and that amount of interfacing with the content that I hadn't had access to that point in time, even though I'd done a lot of shadow, I'd done all of these things and and for years. But there was content that had to be accessed through me coming into a state that was um, going to have no distractions, so I couldn't avoid it. So any of the mechanisms, any of the coping mechanisms that I had to deal with the pain or deal with what I'd done or what I regret or what I held guilt over, they were all just starting to come up, and there was a lot. And can I ask your friend that, or your yeah, the guy you met that um, introduced you to going into a dark room? Did he give you any heads up that it was going to be like this? Like, did you know? Did you have a s- smidgen of like, ooh, this might be really intense? Or no, okay, because he, he actually said, "Don't read anything about it." Okay, which, okay. Which, apart from people listening to this, I, I would pass on the same. Uh, okay, so uh, turn this off. Stop listening now. Well, because it's, it's like he just said, you just knew you were drawn to it. I just knew I yeah. had a draw. I just knew I would go in, get it done, and yeah. So, th- so that brings me. So, I, I had no no idea of because I, even in the journeys that I do and the the experiences that I have been in, uh, I don't. I'm not really that visual. I'm more of a felt sense knowing person, not a visual like oh, I saw this and that, and which I'm actually grateful for. Um, even though I wanted it back in the day, it's like oh, my visions, oh, my visions, like, but it's not. Um, <laughs> but on the day five, uh, I went to bed because I was I was basically going to bed and waking up when the birds were up, and and you get two meals delivered in this dark slot a day, so you kind of know where you're at with brekkie and. And, and dinner. Anyway, what do they feed you? I'm just curious. Oh, really good food at this at this one. Like really good, healthy vegetables, grounding oh, uh, nice. things, and nourishing. And it's just the best. Like you, especially the first few days, you've just been sitting in the dark with your normal thought processes, and your food comes. It's like, oh yes. I think it's the <laughs> I think it's the slowest and most mindful I've ever eaten food ever. Wow. Because every spoonful is like. Oh yeah, like it was <laughs> like, like a distraction. Or, well, no, an orgasm. Oh, not at a, yeah, You're so orga- there. It's like so there, and, it's, and you're just appreciating the food so much Gosh, because that's all yes. you've got. Yeah, that's all you've got outside of this rolling ball of tra- of mutative energy that's bringing up all your shit. Literally, it's like oh yeah, food distraction and nourishment, good. So, so when you were starting to see this muta- mutating ball, would you st- would you get interrupted sometimes by your meals? No, not really. It was okay. always a welcome knock on the on the. Yeah. It was like a knock, knock, knock. It's like, oh, thank God. 
But it, it wasn't too intense for the first few days at all either. Yet what happened on the fifth night was I, 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 I was on my side and I, every breath that I was breathing, it was like it started to be kaleidoscopic. It started like oh, like started, a kaleidoscope. Ooh, That's a great yeah. word. Go you. Ooh, I yeah, yeah I love that. Yeah, I know. Kaleidoscopic. It's How do you spell that? It's, okay. it's all. It starts with a K. It starts with a K. I know that. K-A-L. And ends in opic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and. So and I drifted to sleep like that, but every sigh out was like this sigh. It was like I was I was like melding with existence at a deeper level. But then what happened after that was I was like jolted awake by the most intense visions I've ever had in my life. Like the brighter than what we're looking at now from within have being in the dark for five days, but all coming from inside my head. Like because the the five MEO uh, compound in your brain activates, so mm-hmm. that starts this visionary process. But What's I had five no meo. Five meos. Ah, five meo is like a chemical. It's like a chemical that your brain produces. Okay, it's like the five meo um, dimethyltryptamine. I'm not sure. Oh, DMT. Yeah, yeah oh, but this okay. is this is the god complex. Isn't the god, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. this is five meo. So that so it's like a, a different. Yeah, <laughs> well, in a way, <laughs> that's how it felt. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Okay. Um, and so that that triggered within me, and so I was having these visions that came uh, that came were coming from inside me, and they were so rapid that I didn't. I, I just had to hold on for the ride, but I was not expecting it at all. I just I just didn't know. And the best I could describe it was, it's the night that the light train came because it was like a train of light, and the train had just visions and and different. Things that were just like, doo, 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 doo. and as soon as my mind would then go to compartmentalize, mm. oh, this is that, or this means that, it's like it had changed vision. So it was like a perfectly designed uh, mechanism to scramble my mind and my normal thought processes oh. and my normal mental construct that would actually um, compartmentalize things to feel safe about them. Mm. As soon as my mind would start going into that space, it had changed the vision and, and scramble. So, and so I was just having to surrender to the intensity and of what I was being shown and what was passing through and, and just to, to do my best in breathing through that experience, which lasted all night. Basically, well, was this after your life review, like those slideshows where you're like, don't want to go through that, okay? And then it would come back, or was that? So that that was happening during the day, life reviews. Okay, and then the life (laughs) reviews. The night was a light train. Life (laughs) life reviews by day, light uh, light train by night. Whoa, and that's the title. Were you so tired? Yeah, I know that's a really good title. By by day six seven, I was tired because the when the the more the light train would come on. the less I would sleep, so I was yeah. getting less and less sleep. So I was, a, and so at the start, I would, I'd kind of nod off and come back into consciousness, and and it would just still be there. It was like an ongoing thing, but I was getting rest. Yeah. But then, as it intensified, and as I was going into more of a peak state, it would then uh, I, I'd just get less and less rest, which was kind of exhausting me at one level for my days of life reviews. Well, yeah. Well, and is, do you think that's by design for it to exhaust you so that you surrender more? Yeah, like, I okay, think so. okay. I think there's an aspect of that in there. So, yeah, it was it was really interesting, and yeah, by by day, you know, by day seven, eight, I was I was in some tricky I was in some tricky territory because there was a lot that came up that from my past that I hadn't fully dealt with. 
And so I, w- I was wrestling with a few a few doozies in there that I couldn't, um, you know, and in that state you can't reach out to someone and have a chat about what happened or anything like mm. that. So you've really got to be in the suffering of it and you've got to really sit in the regret mm. and sit in the guilt and sit in the shame and you can't do anything about it. You can't, No one's coming to save you. You've oh. really just got to sit in it. And, and feel all the things, but those feelings of the things, of the guilt, regret, shame that have, that have been pretty dominant in my, in my life experience and, things that, I've had to, and had, things that I've got to deconstruct in my own personal work and my journey, they don't often get felt in that sense because we just distract ourselves around it. It's like the wound of shame. It's like the wound of shame doesn't appear as the wound of shame. The wound of shame has so many different masks because it masquerades as aggression, it comes out as defensiveness, it comes out as numbness, it comes out as avoidance, it comes out as escapism. It has all these different tendrils of what it appears in the world to be, so we never clock it as shame. And very rare is the human who has actually come into the felt sense of the, the wound of shame and be able to transmute it in that sense. So far it's, it's happening that we're... We're getting more access to these things, but a lot of the time our our coping mechanisms will will allow it so we we don't actually feel what's underneath. And if we can't feel and we can't have access, and some people don't have access, and a lot of my journey has been around uh, pulling apart the numbness that actually stopped me from actually feeling the shame and feeling the like feeling these lower frequencies because I was built and. I was I, I externalized my pain from a very early age, and in those those mechanisms then get sent up to project out, and they become externally fixated instead of internally grounded within. So so sitting with shame, sitting with regret, sitting with guilt, sitting with these 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 tender aspects that had never been interfaced with at such a deep level was a really humbling experience, but also a very painful experience, but also a very necessary experience. I, I'm curious with the for the listener who is who who's like, what does transmuting mean? And you know, how how do you work through these emotions? And because I was thinking as you were talking about uh, like the carousel and things kept coming back. It's like, oh you haven't dealt with this, so we're gonna bring it back around. How did you transmute it? And and what would you say that means for the listener who's like, what does that mean? I'd say the I'd say one of the deepest ways that transmuting would uh, occur is by feeling what's underneath, because our minds are so good at compartmentalizing things and making us feel more so. Like the intellect is set up to basically allow us to feel safer in this world. It's like that's like that because of that. That's like that because of that. And we we instead of feeling what's underneath, we have all these tendencies of being able to project out or blame or, or, or justify our behaviours or defend our behaviours. And all of these parts, are, they're like superficial parts that underneath them is the actual feeling body. And once we come into contact, once we get access to our feeling or more access to our feeling body and be with the actual feeling, that's when it can be... Uh, more efficiently transmuted and transcended. So it burns it up, it alchemizes it through because we're actually pulling in parts of ourselves that have been pushed away and denied 
and we're owning these aspects of ourselves that were hurt in the past and were, did have these traumas and contractions and, and fragmentations within our consciousness and we're bringing them in to transmute them because we're able to now because we have the awareness and the operating system that's able to do that uh, very efficiently. But when we were young, we didn't have that. So we, we, we start to contract very early on because the, the wound comes into manifestation you know, in the first seven years and it will it will trigger somehow for for people and then this is the human wound the human wound yeah and and then in the second seven year cycle it will it will imprint in our emotional body and in the third seven year cycle it will imprint in our mental body and we carry these the signatures of the wound through our whole life and all of the shadows the shadows are like coping mechanisms for coping with this reality because we soon find out after we're born that the world isn't a very safe place so we've got all these contractions our inner child and these younger parts of ourselves who are still very alive and with us today they are still in some of these states that we experienced when we were young and so and then so the transmutation is is about ownership and accountability of all that we are and, and alchemizing all that we are so we can become more whole and more embodied and turn up in our greatest authenticity because while we're denying any parts of ourselves, we're not fully, we're not fully here. And that's what that journey of, of the deepest shadow work and, and wound work is, is to actually, okay, I'm claiming all parts of myself. All parts of myself are a part of me and once you start that process of shadow work and dissecting the shadow, understanding the shadow, understanding the human wound, it will all just come up organically in order to be transmuted and transcended so we can be free. Mic drop. I know that's yeah. so good. <laughs> Wait, so the, the human wound then, I loved all of that. Yes. And that's why I turned Amber down and everything. I was like, we're not going to interrupt oh, him <laughs> during this transmission <laughs> with a question. But no, the um, <laughs> you talked about the human wound. This is her first joint interview so we're, we're, we're like, she's learning yeah. no but she's the, um, on pro- probation she's on probation <laughs> so it's yeah. all we'll mute her no but the so um my understanding then from how you you could tell me if this is wrong the human wound is the wound that every person human comes in with that is theirs to then transmute to become their biggest superpower mm-hmm. is that yeah, right literally literally like our, our deepest wound is our greatest vocation in this life so it's getting to the it's getting to the bottom of that, which takes work. That's the that's the beauty of the journey. That's the humbling part of the journey too. It's like wow, I've, I'm I'm sitting on this program and I'm living in a world that that you know we've got these our collective wounds are very obvious right now, and and yet it's it's bringing that okay. What do I have control over right now? I've got control over my domain. What can I own? What What are the parts of where are my blind spots? Which is one of the most mm. uncomfortable questions we can ask ourselves because it's like, okay, existence, where are my blind spots? Because show me my blind spots because the blind spots are going to come in from left field. They're not going to come in from the known. They're not going to come in from inside our compartmentalized uh, structure of what we think we know. They're going to come through a human, through an interaction, through life, giving us a humbling and showing us where we're arrogant or where these blind spots are. So it's it's consistently being in check and not getting too overly fixated on what's actually going on externally because it's actually an inside job. It's all happening within. Yes. 
It, well, and my, I, I do have a question around. So, oh, you're back. You're, yeah. Yeah. I'm back. You're back. It's all hey. I gave you Mike access. I know. I'm like, dude, dude, is this thing on? Um, <laughs> when, when you were, uh, when you were, you said that you were in pain, experience, like it was painful to experience those feelings of shame, regret, all of that. Like when you were in the darkness, did that ever end? And if it, and when it did, like, how did you? How did you know it was over then? Like, was there like a theme in experiencing those emotions where you were like, okay, I've experienced that now. Like I've transmuted it. Like, was there any kind of pattern that you could see looking back? Yeah, it's a good question. Welcome back. Um, <laughs> so that was a great question. So now you're allowed to ask questions yeah, yeah, yeah. again. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. You're helping my cause here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it started to taper off. So the, uh, that peak experience that I was going through with uh, less sleep and the more visions and everything like that, it was starting to taper off. So, yeah, and, the, and then the last few days uh, the visions got less and I think a couple of days out it was like, oh, I didn't – I got my first real night's rest and sleep, which is a relief. But it starts to taper off. <clears throat> what happened to me when I came out of that experience, though, was – I was so deep in process about you know certain things and and I was I was having I was I was I was, I was challenged integrating everything that had arisen 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 um, That's okay. You said kaleidoscopic earlier so yeah, you're that's smart. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yes. Brainy word things. Yeah. Um, and so for the first few days outside of the dark room, you know, I was in Guatemala, I got yeah. the language barrier, I don't speak Espanol, and I was it was and I was kind of living in this little hobbit room of this hotel that was uh, that was that was they were really nice to me. Like sensory overload though in terms of everything or were you trying to were you trying to uh, be alone again. Uh, trying to reconcile what had actually been produced in that journey and the amount that I'd felt and been seen and where I had to actually own to a couple of people how I showed up in relationship, things like that. Things were pretty tough. So I was I was I was I was having a challenging time assimilating that. And on day five of, of freedom, I. <laughs> I just got this knowing. It's like it's it's like a voice, but it's a knowing. It's like you got to go back in. <gasps> oh, God. oh God, that's yeah. like season two of a show. You know, it's like now you're going back. It's like season two of The Darkness, right? Oh, uh, it was, oh, and no. it was such a. But it was it was a, it was in it was like oh my God, that can't be true. Yeah. And then it, but then there was a relief. It's like oh, that's the only thing that's going to bring this journey full circle because I, I it's like oh I, I, the realization was. I'm only halfway done. Okay. But then it was a case of I jumped on my computer and I, I emailed them and I said, "Hey, I've got to go back in and uh, have you got any spots?" And they they emailed me back within 20 minutes and said, "You'll never believe it. We've got a spot that just opened for 10 more days that finishes. It actually finished on my actual birthday. Oh and my so gosh. I was like, oh, okay. and but they but they were asking. They weren't sure about letting me go back in because they'd never had that experience before, where someone's just come out. And was like, hey, They're awesome. like, is this Can guy I? okay? He's a psychopath. <laughs> so, yeah. It's so, and I reassured. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's it's 
job's done. I just need to go in and, and finish the job. So yeah, can I stop I just for a moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just a reflection point for the listeners. When and you can take a sip of water if you need one. Uh, this little break, but you. when you're welcome, it's like you're allowed to do. This. Well, I'm allowed water, and <laughs> yeah. she's allowed a mic. I know yeah, exactly. Right. I know, right? That's all. You're in my domain. Control. I'm the queen. <laughs> you know, control's a shadow, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's all thank you. We'll transmute it today. Um, (laughs) No, no, I just think a good reflection point for the listener. We talk a lot about synchronicities and serendipities and the the magical nature of our reality when things come in and you're just like, this crazy thing happened and this happened. And it's like, that's where the magic is. Those are the breadcrumbs. So when you get those things that come in where it's like, you'll never guess. We had a 10-day cancel. We had a cancellation. Oh, and it ends on your birthday. And Mm -hmm. it's like, that's confirmation from the universe in my experience that you're on the right path. So follow that. So I just wanted to share that with the listener. It was that. Would you say that that would be your experience as well? A hundred percent. If I wasn't able to go back in and finish that experience, I would have. I'm not sure how I would have been. It was like it was always meant to happen that way. But maybe mm-hmm. I wasn't uh, supposed to like dive into a 22 day experience straight up. Yeah. After not having. But it was actually good because I I, I kind of knew what I was there to expect. But I still remember it was so big stepping back into that knowing what I'd just done. I remember talking to Annabelle, my partner at the time, and I got on a Zoom with her and I said, hey, I'm, I'm going back in. <laughs> and like the, uh, the emotion is still alive because it was just so big. It's, and she said, you can't go back in. Oh. I said, I've got to go back in. you just got to trust me. It was just one of those knowings that is, is uh, yeah, it's really tangible. Um, and then five days later I was back in there, locking up to go again. Why do you think she didn't want you to go back in? Oh, because she had, she had a care for me. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh. She had, because she, I was, I was, I was a mess. The, the, those oh, days okay. after, was like I was, I was in tears. I was like, oh, like I, I was holding it together, but barely. Like okay. my integration process, and she was hearing me out with these things, and then so I'm, I'm crying one day and then I'd rock up the call. It's like, hey, I'm yeah. again, I'm going back in. <laughs> yes, so okay. She was trying to protect you. She was, yeah, she had my best interest in mind. Yeah. And there was also a couple of other friends that was like, are you sure you want to do this? You've got yeah. this pattern of extremism happening. I was just going to say, that, is that your personality? It, it's pretty yeah. extreme. Yeah. <laughs> from, from the good and the bad and the, all the things in between, there is a there is a, definitely a program of extremism in there, which was what my closest friends, including uh including my partner at the time, she was on to. So I was like, are you sure about this? But I just had a knowing. You just knew. I just knew. And before you get into what that 10 days was like, uh, your intention before going in was, okay, I've, un- I've uncovered all these things. I have this next level of understanding. Now I need to sort out how I'm actually going to go and repair these things, like in the physical plane sort of things with these people. Yeah. Like, is that sort of what you wanted to do? Was that your intention? Yeah. Well, I, I'd, I'd had a couple of conversations with people that uh, were important to reconcile a couple of my processes and I felt really good about that. And I, I, I just had to follow the knowing. Okay. But that knowing, I won't go into detail about what the second 10 were, but because we, we haven't got you know, a yeah. three-hour yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but it was great because it did. It brought everything full circle. I navigated it with more precision and I knew what was going to happen. The visions happened exactly like clockwork on, on night five. Oh. And so and because I'd, I'd, I'd then in my time out, I'd found out what these what the light train actually was and, uh, and, and read a couple of experiences about people and what, they, what happened in when they used to throw people in solitary confinement in the jails, mm-hmm. and 
with no light at all. And so the prisoners would start having these, uh, so they used to call them the prison lights because after day three, four, five, they would start having these visions. And you can imagine if you got a, you got a prisoner who's locked up, and then they start having this this high, this this big expansion of consciousness through their pineal gland, and they've never yes. had a vision before. They come out, they'd come out changed, but <laughs> well, in a come, good way, though. You think, way, right? right? Well, the, oh, well, they're like, that's well, not why we put you in prison, mate. We don't want you to come out expanded. We, <laughs> we were trying to destroy you. All yeah. of a sudden, you're a guru. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. So but that that would have that's interesting though, because imagine yeah. having that experience and not knowing what. You know what what a shadow is, or or anything like that. And all of a sudden, yes. you're going through and seeing things that, you know, and they're coming from inside your head. Yeah, it would be a trip. It would potentially send some people into some pretty tricky mental states. I would. Have, oh, would for sure. If they weren't voluntarily putting themselves in there. Yes, there must be someone who's written something about this. You know. Yeah. Like well, the- Mantak Chia's got uh, Mantak Chia. Who's that? He's the uh, Thai guy that. Um, that he he runs his Tao Gardens is his so he he does a lot of the Taoist um, uh, he brings through the teachings around sexuality but he's also that's the the darkness technology the Taoists have been using this for for forever is this like tantra type stuff uh, do I need a, to find this guy no no <laughs> no no, you, no. Nah. no there's nothing um, to learn that I need to learn but there. they've got there's a the, he's actually got an ebook you can find if people are interested he's got an ebook online that's called the the darkness technology or something like that and I haven't actually read it because it's, it goes a bit over my head with the, you know what actually happens chemically and all that sort of stuff with um, with what happens but I, I found out what what the visions were and so I could be more comfortable it's like okay this is because at some level I knew, but I knew it had something to do with pineal gland, but I didn't know what it was actually doing. It was like resetting it and decalcifying it at a, oh. at a, in a really intense way. And so, um, and once I clocked that, it's like, okay, that, that makes sense and I'm ready for round two because I actually, you know, I've got a little bit more stability in knowing that. Yeah, that's cool that it's like a decalcification and like a purging of your pineal gland. That's yeah. freaking awesome. That and would be a in, sorry, go on. Even in working with a vet, a vet's a vet could see that. Through. A veterinarian. Oh, no, a vet, your friend. Oh, sorry, a vet, my <laughs> mentor. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, a vet. You know your mentor? Like, no, you know I was your, like, are we, how did a veterinarian, I'm like, you brought your dog with you? Yeah, yeah, a veterinarian's like, yeah, okay. We're, we're gonna all, ch- uh, we don't think she's ready yet. You're on Training. probation again. <laughs> yes, a vet, my life-changing mentor. Yeah, yes, yeah. hello, yes. Who's yes, got yes. A, a crazy amount of vision. Um, yes. but okay, yeah, so, that's cool. But there was, a, there was a lot happening physiologically too. Like I've got a video probably TMI, but... No, no, no. Okay, cool. Uh, I've got a, a vision of my uh, urine in a bottle. Okay. Cut this out of it. No, no, no. We love it. But there's actually like my body was shedding, but there's flakes. Like there's, like crystals. Uh, or flakes of what? I don't know, just flakes. And I'll, I'll show you afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because, because it was like a deep de- detoxification just on every deep, level. Just every cool. level. So oh. like there was a shedding from inside my body that was actually being shed through that. Because that, it, that's the only place it could go out was your urine. Yeah, a lot oh, of it. And so, cool. yeah, the body just goes through some profound changes. It's like the days after I got out, I was I was doing sunrise down at the lake, Lake Atatlan in, in Guatemala, and I was just sitting in the sun 
like just it was just it's like my body had missed it so much. I was yes. just charging up, charging up for hours a day because wow. it and I wasn't getting burnt. It was like it was going through to, <laughs> it was like going through to my core and I wasn't actually getting burnt on the outside. It was really fascinating. This is so cool. So I charged back up and, and went back in there with a bit of more of a knowing about what I was dealing with. And I came out after that. Um, Keep did going. you mute her again? I, I muted her because I have <laughs> Keep just, going. Because I know say, she wants to ask a question, but I need to clarify something for our listeners. I I came out of that experience just to wind up the dark room, uh, apart from questions, obviously. Um, I came out of that fully. It was like I brought it full circle, especially the last 48 hours of that 10-day journey. I, I reached a completion point. And I, it was such a relief. And I came out and I, I was back. That was my birthday. So I, I came back out from the womb on my birthday and I was back on social media, taking phone calls, everything like that within the next couple of days. So the first one was definitely a state where I was I was only half-baked and, yeah, went back in. Wow, you had the full integration. The question I wanted to clarify was the pineal gland. So, or just give clarification to the listener because not everybody knows what that is. Um, my understanding is that it's a a gland that lives kind of like where your third eye would be. You know, it's well, it's called your third eye. It's in between your your normal two eyes, and it's the seat of a lot of intuition and how you see without actually seeing, feeling. Mm-hmm. How would you describe the pineal gland and why it's so important? Apart from what you've said, um, do you have anything on that? Uh, am I? I'm like, am I on? <laughs> like, I'm on your back. No, well, I, I thought that like any of the research I've done in the pineal gland is that there's actual cones and rods and receptors in it. So it, it is like an eye. There are actual like components of it that mimic our actual eye. I mean, that's, what's the, what's not, it's not auditory, it's visual. That So I've heard that there's actual cones and receptors in it as well, but it's not, it's a seeing from, yeah, not actually seeing. It's But so I actually don't have a lot to add. Yeah, we can keep it in. <laughs> well, no, because the cones and rods, you're right. But the, um, and the calcification of it, you hear a lot of people talk about it, can happen through like chemicals and in the environment. Like fluoride and, and stuff fluoride. like that. Fluoride. Yep. yep. It can yeah. calcify your pineal gland. And, um, and my understanding is that the, the more that it is in its true state, that yep. you, the, the more you can tap into your intuition and the, and the unseen. Definitely. It, it is like a seat for that. It's like a seat for our intuition, our inner vision and, and unlocking things within and getting this inner vision happening for sure. Okay, mm. cool. Well, so so the, the darkness, 22 days of darkness. 22 days, 21 I have, nights. I have a question. Yeah. So back. Um, I'm back, I'm back, guys. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so you get out and you said it, you had like this full soaker moment. So then you needed to go back in, which is interesting because you said that the place you had gone to in Guatemala, they'd never had someone go right back in. So the fact that you intuitively knew that is A, really cool. And B, I'm curious, when you were there for that 10 days, did you get like the, not the script, but like, okay, this is how I'm going to go and make amends with people? Because like, was that kind of what, it's like you experienced all those shame, that regret, et cetera. But you said you knew you knew what it was like for a couple of the people you wanted to speak to, but for all the reasons why you went back in, like how did that translate then to the relationships with the people in your life? And like, did you feel like you had to make amends with anyone? Mm. Like, what was it like with like interpersonally with people after? It was great. It was like a softener. It was like a great softener or a tenderizer in that sense because what I'd burnt up 
was very significant and what 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 I was able to transmute within myself and burn up within that allows or allowed me a lot more of you know our defense mechanisms mental emotional defense mechanisms that are unconscious there was a softening of that so I was more open in relating and everything so it improved me on so many levels because I came into greater I, I saw more than ever how I would project or how I would I would anything where there's a projection out this is part of the shadow too I know I went into the shadow before but anything that we project onto others that like we don't have that particular um, uh, thing that's part of the shadow can you give me an example <clears throat> uh, complaining about oh this person's doing that okay. at some level that person's reflecting back if, if there's an irritation there the mind will make up a judgment about that and project that as that person's doing this but there's a discomfort within so every projection that's out every time we project out or judge another for something our minds our mind has come in and it creates this compartmentalized reality about oh that's what they they're doing this but in a case it's us projecting our own shadow out so everything that causes us irritation we can actually say, okay, if we open up the curiosity about why that is actually irritating us and why we actually formed a judgment around that, that can give us direct interface with what, what it's actually reflecting in us and why it actually caused the irritation. Because if there's, if there's no buttons to push, we wouldn't get irritated. But as soon as we get irritated, that's a, a button of ours getting pushed. And until we open up the curiosity of like where, that, where is that inside myself, but we're just so built to project out constantly. That's really good. You know, Hill, you and I were talking about that the other day around um, the mirrors that everybody is exactly like what you're saying, Dan. And um, we were in uh, like a, a group chat on Telegram and uh, there were, remember we were, we, were, we were talking about a friend and her personality tried to do something, but because we have been actively like seeking out what this reality is and ways to almost like hack it. And the the lesson that's been coming back to myself, especially over the last, well, since I stepped back into, like, stepped into really being a channel is, like, all their messages are, like, your reality is your responsibility. It's all about you. Like, it's not all the people that come into your reality and all, you know, your soul family, whoever you want to label it. It's all an opportunity. It's all an opportunity to play in this physical plane. It's all an opportunity to, um, like ride these different emotions that we can feel as humans that when we're outside and we're just operating from like our pure energetic level, we don't, it's like we came here to feel all these emotions. So we were in a group chat and we were talking about this um, personality trait that, that we think this friend has in a loving way. Oh, we weren't no, just it, talking shit. Oh yeah. no, no. In yeah. a loving way. Yeah. No, in a loving yeah, yeah, yeah. way. We've been, been friends we, since we were like eight. Yeah, really yeah. little. But then remember I was like, oh, what is this trying to teach us Hill? Like this is like, if, if, if we're getting, if we're like you, exactly like what you said, if, if I'm there's projecting this judgment, if there's an, if there's a trigger, if there's an irritation there, and then I'm, I'm having this judgment about, and I didn't, connect the dots about the judgment but I was just like oh you know like what is this trying to teach me in this moment you know and it was just like oh and, and it's actually a really cool way to navigate this reality because you start seeing every irritation as an opportunity mm. to transmute something and become just more grounded become more 
open, compassionate, compassionate. Mm-hmm. And the more like, it's like, oh, you become more inquisitive and 100%. like, what is this? Oh, this is interesting. And it's like, you're the, an observer of yourself in this reality. And then it's like, like you were saying with the slideshow of things coming up, it's like, it's almost like the way I, the way I can see it sometimes is like these people that you come across, it's like they're on a little conveyor belt and it's like, okay, what, it, like if I'm having a reaction to them, then like, oh, they're mirroring something back to me. This is interesting. Okay. But then the the more aware you become, then the, the more your energy expands. And then this reality just starts bringing you even more cool like stuff where you're like, oh, like how does it even get better than this? Like this is wild. But it's like, you can get so distracted. It's like, that's the biggest, that's the greatest distraction of that like projection of blame on other people and saying like, or judgment, right? And it keeps you almost like, trapped in this like loop with Mm -hmm. them. Like, you know, like, you know how Hill, we are talking about um, the stories you have about your parents, the stories you have about your siblings, all that stuff. And that, that keeps you so distracted. And then once you can actually examine that, and like you're saying, transmute like those deeper emotions, then it's like that your energy totally opens. And this reality is like, Ooh, like you, like, like now you're ready. Yeah. Now you're ready. And it's just like your reality just like pops off and you're like, Whoa, this is just a magical, like illusion matrix of consciousness, you know, like, you know, cause what I know you wanted to ask that question. Yeah. No, no, no. That you, you explained it perfectly that the, just the nature of the interactions that we have and, and what it, it shows us. And once you get out of the loops, how much better and bigger and brighter things get. Has that been your experience? Yeah, hundred percent. And that's why the family unit can be uh, some of the that, that's got the most content because the karma is the thickest in the family unit, and and our parents can can bring that in. But a lot of the time, and that they're the greatest reflections, even though we don't like to think that we're having the same traits as our parents. We oftentimes <laughs> yes. we're doing exactly <laughs> what they're doing, yeah. but in another guise. And a really sneaky, a, a, a sneaky one that's very efficiently, or the ego will say, no, no, that's not me. But it actually is. It <laughs> yeah. actually is more deeply than you can actually understand. Yet then when you're looking at it, and if you've grown up with one or two parents that, and, you know, they are directly imprinting us from the time we come onto the planet. So we are, we are picking up our programs from our parents. And so they're a really good, uh, good great point of inquiry. But as you were saying about the relationships, we're designed as human beings to move away from anything uncomfortable. So if we, that's why some people leave relationships when things get too challenging, not knowing what's actually playing out and what the message actually is. And if there isn't the the ability to um, to inquire into where is that me or what else can I own or what is this person reflecting back, a lot of the time the relationship can end because it's like, oh, this is really uncomfortable. I'll, I'll get that person out of my life and go to another relationship. But existence will just manifest exactly the same program and pattern through the next person until you actually learn the lesson. 100%. And sometimes louder and more harsh than it's <laughs> exactly. ever come in. Ever. Well, Did and- you get that? Yeah. <laughs> and well, then you realise, fuck, it was me the whole time. <laughs> I was the problem. I was like, hi, it's me. I'm the problem. Like, and that's been sort of the theme of our reality over the last few weeks. I mean, it's probably been like six weeks now. Yeah, Yeah. six weeks. Yeah, we've been just implementing new tools into our reality. And 
the more you learn how to master this reality, it really is like, it's all you because so much like you sitting here, it's really just an illusion. You know, like I don't, we don't need to get too crazy, but like, this isn't even, this isn't even real. And also I was having sort of an existential, not crisis one day. Clearly, clearly, you know, (laughs) (laughs) just where, where, um, I was like, Oh God, well, if this isn't like, I was navigating this situation with my husband that comes up uh, often. And I asked my grandma for some, uh, like, uh, like guidance on like, can you help me see this from an energetic perspective? And what she showed me was that like, you know, if every possibility that could exist is existing and there's infinite timelines that are existing, right? Then it's like, she was showing me that this version of my husband, this is just an opportunity to be like, hey, like we've had this come up a lot. Like, are you actually going to almost like master it this time? Mm. And there are these infinite versions of him as well. Mm. Like there's infinite versions of him, of Brad, as I know him, my husband, but really at a soul level, we made this agreement to come in and play with each other and master this experience with one another. And so I was like, well, damn grandma, is that, then this is like all fake. It's all AI. And she was like, no, it's actually, it's actually more deep and more meaningful and more beautiful because you're two souls that came here to navigate this experience and expand the consciousness, expand the experience. And so it went from going, like, now I'm like, yeah, this is an illusion, but it's the most beautiful, meaningful illusion that you could ever have because then you realize it's all you, it's all you, it's all myself. I like it's in within me to master this experience and everybody that comes in there's this beautiful agreement that we have with one another to 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 expand source energy mm-hmm. and so it just i don't know because you and i kind of go into like oh, the matrix you know is this the matrix like what is this right mm-hmm. oh yeah like like what is this reality well and on the back of that what would you say it is that's normally kind of how we end the podcast is um is what you what do you think this reality is like wh- what what is this if you had to guess, or not even guess, like just based on your experience, and there's no right or wrong answer. It's a very uh, persistent and believable illusion that uh, that is so persistent that we just we get wrapped up, we get wrapped up in the story, and the deconstruction of everything that we get to experience through the shadow and through committing to our relationships as well. It's like you bring up a good point. It's like through the commitment of our relationship and a relationship container is the only way that you're really going to get the depth of embodiment and the lessons that are that are there, whether that's an intimate relationship, which is generally the, the, the most perfect way existence can massage things up from the depths. But when you've got the technologies like like the dark room, like things like human design, things like the gene keys, which we didn't touch on yet, is um, so, uh, next episode when you come back on. If next, you ever okay, speak yeah, to yeah, us yeah, again, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, he's going to come, come back. On. He'll yes. be like, lose my number. Yeah. Well, no, no, we, we, could, we, we have time to touch on gene keys briefly, but go if ahead. you wanted to, we could do a quick, uh, a quick overview because you've talked about some of the buzzwords and the different or definitely. some of the concepts, and it, so you can go into it however feels natural. But I'll, we'll let you finish your thought. No, that's cool. Uh, it's a good. It's a great. If if people haven't heard of the gene keys, it's a technology that I've been using for over a decade. That is, it's the most. It's the most acute, specific way of determining what shadow constructs are running the game of your reality. So you can get on a get on genekeys.com, download your free profile, and things might pop straight away. Things might not make sense, but that is basically a map of your wounding 
of your coping mechanisms, of your shadow patterns and all the gifts that you're here to bring, but the shadow has to be owned and transmuted in order to raise the frequency of these of these these shadow archetypes and these shadow frequency bands. So as you as our awareness starts to shine a light, which it can do through this technology, uh, shine a light on the shadow aspects of being, then they can start coming to the fore because our awareness can start to work out what's actually happening. So there's a languaging around it. It's like okay, with every shadow mechanism, there's a there's a repressive nature, fear based. And a, a reactive nature, anger-based. And depending on our first 21 years on the planet, we we develop either a more repressive or a more reactive way of defending ourselves and and from hurt and the world. And as we start to shine a light on these these aspects of being, we start to raise the frequency of them because the awareness then knows what to look for. But if we don't know what our shadows are, because it's a tricky game, it's like how are you going to know your own shadows? Your ego won't let you see your own arrogance. Your ego won't let you see your own your own shadows a lot of the time because that's what it protects itself by doing. So coming into touch with the gene keys, if, if people are feeling it, it's, it's the greatest technology there is on the planet right now for acute shadow work and and waking people up to what is actually pulling the strings from underneath their conscious awareness and as you bring it's a transmission it's a wisdom stream so it's a stream of wisdom that if you focus on and penetrate it will come alive and start informing you you'll be in this stream where you'll get these insights and downloads and and awarenesses that you simply couldn't with without the technology and that's available to anyone and it's available online it's very affordable um the the programs and everything that i've got online but getting a gene keys book and starting to learn about what shadow mechanisms are actually running under the surface of your life highly recommended oh i'll link it it's richard rudd is the richard author rudd, yeah yep. yeah and it's a big book it's a big, um, overwhelming-looking so book, yeah. but you don't read it from front to back. You read the intro and you read your specific gene keys that come up on your chart. That that's a big part of that. It'll always the gene keys are. It's not all I do, but it'll always be a. It's such a profound system and technology for people like for, and working with people one on one and facilitating them in in groups, which I've been doing for a lot of years now. Is it's, it just sets you up with the construct of what the people are living in and to deconstruct that construct that people are in, that, that they're unconscious of and being able to pull in things from the periphery and make people aware of certain behaviours, it's generally what I find I'm doing most is people will utilise me to tell them a story of their unconscious. It's like, okay, this might play out like this and you create a whole story and what that story does is bring it into an awareness. It's like, oh, that's what I've been playing out but because it's just on the it's on the outskirts of our conscious awareness, bringing that in will allow people to have their own game with the awareness of that and that whole story, once you present that story, it's like, hey, here's your biggest challenge or here's, here's one of these mechanisms that you've got to watch out for or there can be a compounded pattern in certain people's things. Like, hey, watch out for this because it's got a theme here, here, and here, and it's in your relationships here. As soon as people get that put in front of them, then they can start have then they then they become aware of it, and then their awareness can do the rest. So it's a it's a fascinating and always um, it's it just blows me away. I'm always in awe of of what it can do for people's consciousness and awareness. 
And it's so accurate. I had a so session accurate. with you at like a week out before I started with my mentor, Yvette. And, the veterinarian? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we had a You've session. You've recovered since then. It's fine. You're yes, okay. I, thanks. I've, we had a session and it was just like you were telling me about me, but the, like you said, the, these unconscious patterns that I have. And it was really cool because the the whole vibe of the session is like, what are the opportunities here? Right. Mm-hmm. And so it feels so empowering. It's not like, oh, you know, I'm on a hamster wheel or I'm, you know, like it just felt, I left the session being like, wow, I'm so empowered. And I know so much more about myself because you use like birth dates and like it's where like you were born. Yeah. Where that kind of information. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. And, and it's not all about the shadow. It's not all about the wounds, but the, the wounds and the shadow are the ways, the only way through, the only way through the shadow is to own the shadow. And so there's no way around it. But we're built as human beings to find ways in which we can avoid, reject, um, you know, all of this information. But you go directly into your shadow or, or, have an, or have an intention to become aware of your own bullshit and where you're kidding yourself really and that just has it all on a map that's ready to go. So it puts the onus and responsibility on other people. But through the alchemization of the shadow, which is which even by becoming aware of what the shadow is and how this construct actually works and has been working since we were young, um, it starts to raise the frequency of that. And that's where the gift frequencies and the acidic frequencies, which is the, the highest potential of any given archetype or any given gene key, that's, that's where we're aiming. But the shadow has to be owned and accounted for fully in order to be transmuted, alchemized, so we can live out our true inherent gifts in the world. Oh, love it. Mic drop. Yep. Love it. <laughs> well, how do people reach you? And what, what are your, like, I'm guessing that you do one-on-one still, or like, what, what's your sitch? I do. I mentor and guide people one-on-one in three-month containers to start. And I'm also uh, moving into more group work and we'll be running some eight-week containers, um, yeah, coming up. They're still formulating at the moment, but definitely available online. My website is danregan.co and Instagram, I am Dan Regan. Oh, nice. All right, yeah. cool. And what uh, what technology do you use in the containers? Uh, it's got a Jinky's background, yet at the moment I'm, I'm playing more around with the emergent containers. So I've got a container running now with um, – with a bunch of clients that is, uh, I, I call deepening into the mystery and the miraculous because that's uh, just to really let go of any structures that I've that I've dealt with in the past and you know, miracles are happening. Miracles are available. I know we've been talking about the darkness and the shadow, but no, this is oh. the pathway to the miraculous. This is the pathway to miracles. So to end on a high, that's what's actually happening. We're doing through the shadow work, through owning and, and accounting for our wounding and our, and everything that we are contracted by or oppresses us. We're actually laying the foundation for the miracles to actually occur. And the miracles are like the miracles are interesting because even that word can trigger some people because it's like oh what because miracles we think of some far off we think of Jesus we think mm-hmm. of some far off thing it's like of things that never happen but what our intellect and what our minds do is because miracles are like an an, anom- an, anomal- an anomaly got it glad I got that one out yeah. but <laughs> the miracles are like an anomaly it's like we've got our construct and the construct is going. Okay, this is like this, this is like, and it's planning ahead. It's like that's the way that, 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 and creating all these expectations. If we have something in there that's an anomaly, the mind goes, yeah, and then, and then 
keeps on creating. So the construct is moving along in a, in a very specific way and it doesn't allow the magic. It doesn't allow mm. the mystery or the miracles to come in. Because that's it, the anomaly. That's the anomaly. <sighs> and so when we're – and so opening up to the miraculous and actually giving credit for where the miracles actually occur, it's like, wow, that synchronicity. It's like, wow, that's like a glimpse of magic. Yes. That's, a, that's, that's the interface. Yet it has to come through a certain level of not knowing because yes. that's where the magic resides. But humanity doesn't live in the miraculous because it doesn't trust the not knowing. It doesn't trust being in the void. Yes. It doesn't know what to do with itself a lot of the time because as if it stops and inhabits the void or inhabits the gap or the in-between space, all the shit comes up. But as soon yes. as you start dealing with all that shit, you're actually creating the groundwork to live more in the not knowing. And as you live in the more not knowing and you, as you become more aware of the, the construct and deconstructing the construct that we actually live in, at all levels, uh, we, we start to allow that space for miracles to come in. But until we do the groundwork, we're, we'll be living in that construct. But as soon as you start seeing miracles for what they are and inviting them in, mm-hmm. they're a very powerful force that will come in and change your life forever if we allow them. But we've got to give the we've control. Got to, we've got to have the <laughs> space to actually allow them. Uh, in our bodies, but because they come from the unknown, our systems at some level don't trust them, and so they they block them out very efficiently in a sense. So oh, I'm dealing. I know with we could do a whole other episode on that. <laughs> Seriously, no, no, no. Yeah. I love all of that, and I Same. think that too. That's a great note to end on. And I also have found that the more that you recognize synchronicities and allow them, the more they come in. Mm-hmm. And a, a nice, what's the affirmation? It's something like, um, like today. Uh, like it, we always say, like we love to be. Thank you for surprising and delighting us. You know, to the like, universe, to yeah. the universe, like surprise and delight, surprise and delight, and that takes away some of the fear of like the unknown because surprises are great. The unknown is like, oh, but surprises are like, oh, cool. Like, what's that? Yeah, I, I can't yeah, wait yeah, for yeah. that. You yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit of a reframe, and I find that it helps. And now it's like, oh shit, every day magic is occurring mm-hmm. and so but it just takes time to get used to it you know and yeah. then you're like cool then you're expecting it <laughs> yeah, you're expecting. but yeah. if, you, if you're not sometimes they can sometimes the disrupt there's a disruption energetic that can come in but it's coming in to introduce the anomaly but if we go oh what an what an inconvenience and we block mm-hmm. it like we curse it instead of going okay that's a change existence may be veering me off into a slightly different trajectory so it can offer me this miraculous yes. experience but we control and go no no that's that's an you that's know, bad. That's bad. It's like getting a flat tire on the way somewhere, yeah. and you're like, oh, like now I think if I get a flat tire in my car, or something happens to it. I'm like, ooh, what's gonna happen? Something cool's gonna happen <laughs> yeah. because like <laughs> you've been at, like stopped in your tracks. Oh yeah, yeah. you've been stopped yeah. in your tracks. The universe is like, no, no, no. We're trying to give you something really good, mm-hmm. and the only way we can get you to like slow down is to you know put a nail in your tire, which happens here all the time because there's so many tradies. <laughs> there's so many tradies. Yeah, but go ahead. Oh, I could go for ages on this. Yeah, but it's, it's like episode two. But you okay. Can We'll end on what you're going to say. Okay. There's a, it's, it's an example of this is to take an archetypal character, take Batman, for example, right? Batman is very, uh, very inspirational in the personal development realms because he's basically, he gets his wound activated when he's young. His parents get murdered in front of him. But then he descends, he falls into the well when he's young. And so he, that, that, uh, that represents his descent into the darkness, and to claim his shadow, to claim his darkness, mm. to, to own his fear. And so he comes out of that experience and is the Batman. So, he, it, so he's part of that. And part of the bat, actually, uh, the, the superpower of the bat is the intuition. It's the d- 
deepest embodiment of intuition because it's sonar. It's it's mm. like that that bit. And so, and his whole life then is a case of pushing his wound into the service of the whole. But it's a very ordered reality. If he had his way, everything would be ordered, everything would be right, there'd be no trouble, everything like that. That's where the joker comes in and he's the trickster archetype. So he's bringing the chaos to a very, if, if Batman had his way, but Batman's playing his part of the heroic uh, archetype and the joker's playing out the trickster. And they're both playing their roles perfectly. And so, but Batman's got this very ordered way and if he had his way, and that's where the Joker and the trickster archetype, and the trickster archetype is a collective archetype. So any time that we do get a flat tyre or, or things happen to us, there's a, there's a trickster energy there that is here to disrupt the pattern. Oh. And so it's a really interesting, and then if you watch that Batman movie, especially the one with Heath Ledger, it's like, why are you trying to kill me? And the Joker said, I don't, I'm not trying to kill you. We, you need me yeah, yeah, because we yeah. need the we need the order and we need the disorder. We need the chaos and we need the, you know, the structures. But some of those structures in today's world are, are collapsing and crumbling, and it's all falling apart. But we've got this this way that you know, even judging the chaos is bad or judging these things is bad when it's no no life's actually working itself out in its own way, and we just got no idea. We can't even fathom the tapestry of the whole and what's happening outside us and what we're actually – so the best job is, the best invitation is just keep sorting ourselves out <laughs> yes. and we'll be in the right trajectories. But that was a little tangent but it, it was – Oh, no, yeah. no, it's, it's related. It's like the um, you think you know but you have no idea. Like, yeah, yeah, we yeah. don't know. We don't yeah. know what this all is. But, yeah, the invitation is there to to just not label things as good or bad and just know that everything is happening for us. Oh, I had someone tell me this once. Like the basic level of understanding is things are happening to me. The next level is things are happening for me. Mm. And the next level is things are happening by me. And it's like, oh, mm. yeah, it's all happening. Like it's all an inside job, like we're saying. So. Yeah, for 100%. Which is such, it's like that's such the gift an invitation and so empowering to know that like your whole reality comes from here. And it's like, oh, like, I guess I just, that's just a recent, I don't know. That's just my, my recent understanding is like, I actually have the power to transform everything, my relationships, mm -hmm. my reality, like what I can create in this lifetime. It's like, oh, it's all me. Everything else has been a lesson, but like the whole blaming and getting stuck in these patterns with other people, it's just like, that's just such a distraction from the fact that it's all here, mm. you know, in your heart, whatever, you know, however deep you want to go. But it's cool. Life is just amazing. Yeah. Are, is that how where you're at at the moment? Are you just like, this life is epic? Yeah. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. It can be gritty at times, you know, yeah. moving through everything. We're moving through a lot right now. But, yeah, we're all playing the victim somewhere and and actually accepting that. It's like, okay, where are my victim patterns, which are the shadow mechanisms that we all carry? But then that's our route to freedom. If we're into the personal growth game, as I said earlier, if we're into a, the real growth game, we'll go for the shadow, but the real shadow work, the, the one that will allow us to interface with our deepest bits that – are the most uncomfortable and it's about being comfortably uncomfortable and that's where the alchemy occurs thank you for joining me today my intention is always that you leave feeling inspired in some way in a better mood you have that bit of courage to to take action on whatever it is that you're wanting to create right now that idea that's been brewing in the back of your mind for the last six months or six years 
It's all about just taking little steps each day. So hopefully this gave you a bit of motivation to do that. If you enjoyed the episode and want to stay up to date with the happenings of the show, please subscribe on Spotify, Apple. We're also on iHeartRadio now. And you can also leave us a review in your app. It's a great way to show your support for the show. And as always, have a beautiful day and until next week.